Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I am your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Mark. Mark is a games reviewer, a musician, um, all-around video game kind of dude. And uh, we had a great time talking about his journey through the Souls games. And uh, this is probably going to be one of the few episodes with a lot of secure chat in it. So enjoy all of the the ninja talk in this one. And uh, be warned if you haven't played it or you're spoiler-phobic that we might talk about some stuff that it's you would want to be surprised with. Um, but also we talk about the difficulty because of course we do because it's Sekiro. Um, I will be quiet and let you enjoy Mark's episode. So please enjoy. I was always a PC gamer. Uh, and when my son went off to college, uh, I somehow decided I would get into console gaming. So I bought a uh, PlayStation and an Xbox and I started branching out. I was always into uh, music technology and computer technology and I learned to program in basic and I learned HTML and all that stuff. Uh, and then I got into console gaming and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Got into uh, games journalism and reviewing in the early 2000s. Uh, I think I heard about uh, Demon Souls from Sean Andrich on the Gamers with Jobs podcast, and it sounded pretty interesting. <laughs> and Same, uh, yeah. so, that's exactly how I heard about that game. <clears throat> he made it sound uh, that's interesting. so miserable and horrible, and I was, and, but he was like obsessed with these. Like I don't, I know it doesn't sound good, but like I, I want to play it. Like I mean, it's it's raining shit on me, but I'm still like I'm fascinated by this game, and I was like, oh man, that that sounds cool, and yeah. Yeah, let's let's share the masochism just a bit, right? So uh, I ordered the uh, import copy of it, and I really enjoyed it, but I didn't finish it. I think it was because I was playing so many other things. I put it aside um, when Dark Souls and I and I got Dark Souls uh, one and played it a bit. Um, and again, I think I just got too busy when Dark Souls two came out. I really latched onto that, played it through several times, then went back and uh, played through one. I still have not finished uh, Demon's Souls, unfortunately. Still not quite complete. Probably will always remain incomplete at this point, but... Uh, <laughs> Maybe they'll do <laughs> that remaster and you'll have an opportunity to do it. Uh, you know, that's never going to happen, but sure. No, man, Blue Point's working on it. They're going to announce it for the PS5, I believe. <laughs> It'll be on Switch. <laughs> It'll definitely be on Switch. That's the, that'll be I mean, the ultimate you know, irony in all of this. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, that could, I think that would be a pretty good platform for it. I mean, it works pretty well for uh, uh, Final Fantasy X. I've been playing that on Switch, and that's a great port. Um, didn't think the Dark Souls port on Switch was super great, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Was that anyway, so the, uh, controls or or just yeah, just... I thought the controls were were not great, and you couldn't you couldn't remap them, and uh, you know just things were turned around, and the graphics were a major downgrade too. Yeah, um, so it was it was you know it was great that you could you know play it on the go. I guess that was that was cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did play it all the way through on Switch, um, and co op worked fairly well once you know there were enough people on there to to make it work. Um, anyway, so yeah, I uh, really was heavy into, into two, uh, then went back to one, then went to demon souls. And by then it was bloodborne time and, uh, and then three. And now we're in Sekiro time. <laughs> well, talk to me about two. What would, what do you think it was about that game that got you hooked more than demon or dark one before it? Yeah. I, you know, who knows what these things, I think it's a, time and a place and uh, a particular mindset. I don't know what it was about it. You know, looking back, I really connected with the combat in it. Um, I just, you know, enjoyed the uh, progression. I, you know, to this day, I prefer the original um, vanilla to the, um, to the uh, scholars version. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still, when I go back to play, I'll go play the uh, vanilla version. Um, love the DLC for that game. I thought that was, you know, some of the best that they ever did. Interesting. I, um, I definitely think it's a time and a place. Uh, what's your, what's your leaning towards vanilla over scholar? Because this is a, 
this is a conversation that's like surprisingly divisive amongst people that I talk to. Like so, some people really like the scholar stuff, and then some people are like, no, no, they just added a bunch of crap that I don't like. Yeah, I you know to me, I think sometimes from I, I and I've noticed this is not a new thing, but you know they they just. The, in that game, it felt like they increased the number of enemies just to make it more difficult, and it was a bit arbitrary. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure about the changed enemy placement, why things were there where they were. I mean, it was it was fine. I, it, but I just preferred the vanilla version, I guess. Um, yeah, some of it just seemed artificially inflated for the sake of just doing that. Yeah. Um, I. I I know not everyone agrees, but I kind of like the placement of the DLC in the in the vanilla version versus, you know, maybe the more logical placement in Scholars. But maybe it's just as I just know how to get there quicker and, <laughs> and it's easier. It's yeah, it's um, it's interesting because the thing I like about Scholar is how they integrated some of the item placement and stuff like that. Um, right. When vanilla came out, I was I kind of just was like, ah, well, it's it, here's it here's some DLC, like, and it just showed up as a key in your inventory. So I didn't I didn't necessarily care about that as much, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's an interesting conversation because I I think people seem to believe that like scholar is the be all end all, and it's maybe not. I don't know. It's still good. Don't get me wrong. I still like it. Yeah, I, it's an interesting choice, you know what they did i mean it wasn't just a graphical upgrade or you know it was like well let's let's rejigger the whole thing and you know and see um i haven't played that is it uh is it two or one that has the new total conversion uh where everything is really different or is it i can't it's uh what one is yeah one is there's the um Scorched Contract mod that came out a while back. And then there's um, uh, the one that everybody was talking about recently was... Yeah. Uh, what was the name of it? Um, right. I think it's one, right? It was for one. Yeah, it was definitely for one. Oh, that's going to bug the mm-hmm. shit out of me because I, I I know some people that really like it, but then I know some people that played it were like, oh, no, this is extremely difficult. Like, you just made this game harder <laughs> for no reason. So Yeah, I watched a couple playthroughs of it, and it seemed like it changed the difficulty. Uh, and I thought it was probably good for people who have gotten complacent you know about the first one now and you know shakes up the cobwebs a little bit i'm not sure if it was a better version but it was different anyway yeah daughters of ash is what it was called right could not remember that at all i'm actually kind of jealous about uh because i don't do any pc gaming at all and i'm kind of jealous about the crazy mods and stuff that exists like even for Sekiro like you can play as Emma already <laughs> and I'm like that looks dope like that looks extremely cool I wish I could do that but, yeah uh, I am isolated on my PS4 right well you know as a I've always felt and I've lucky enough that I could afford it but I always kind of felt as a journalist obligated to have everything and have all the consoles and have the best PC I could build at the time and um, and I actually have Sekiro on PC and PS4 uh, but I haven't, I haven't played it much on the PC. So, so you, you mentioned a couple of times that you review games, and you're a mm-hmm. games journalist. Uh, have you reviewed any or all of these games? I have, I have. I didn't review the original Dark Souls. Uh, I did review three Bloodborne, Sekiro, and all the DLC, and also Dark Souls on the Switch. What um so, yeah. what what's that process so, yeah. what's that process like because usually for review copies you're getting them early so there's there's hardly any ex- extra information out there like the the communities or the online resources someone would normally rely on to like figure out secrets don't, don't exist <laughs> and um yeah it can be really challenging it was very challenging with Sekiro for sure um you know and what I think is interesting and this really came up with Sekiro's review which. Um, uh, which I didn't have very long to do because I didn't get the, I think I got the review copy a day before the general release. So it really wasn't, it wasn't very much time. And the site that I review for is pretty generous. They, we usually have a week to review something um, at least. So it's not like you had to crank it out and get it the next day. But, um, you know, I always look at it as, as a reviewer, I, I try to 
divorce my, my own personal feelings about the game from kind of an objective standard. Did the, you know, does the game uh, match the intention of the developer? You know, are they successful in achieving their vision, you know, besides the things of mechanics and graphics and, you know, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, it's always really interesting because I had a very uh, complicated reaction to Sekiro uh, in that regard, you know, how I thought the game succeeded versus, you know, my own personal feelings about it. Um, but I always try to look at those things as different processes. So is there, do you have a review playthrough and then a for fun playthrough? Like, is that? Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I guess that would be a good way of <laughs> looking at it. You know? uh, On that review playthrough, so- are you copiously making notes that you know trying to you know put together an argument as you play through the game is it and is it difficult to kind of divorce yourself from that mindset when you play games just for fun yeah it is actually you know and i guess being i'm a musician and composer and music conductor and all that in in my non-gaming life and i just i just have a constant critical mindset about everything. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's always kind of going on. I think, you know, even when I'm playing something for fun, I'm, I'm looking at it sort of analytically. Uh, yeah, I take a lot of notes. I, you know, try to figure out, you know, what's the intention? Are they successful in reaching their intention? When things get frustrating for me personally, is it my incompetence or is it, you know, a design flaw? I guess it adds a certain complexity to, you know, the experience, especially the first time through. Interesting. Do you think that, um, do you think being able to play through these games and critically think about them like that improves your experience for them? Or do you, has has there been times where you've played through a game on release where without having to review that you're like, Oh yeah, I can just relax and actually have fun. I don't have to like, I don't have to turn all of these parts of my brain on just to play this video game. Yeah, I think it's the issue of I can't turn those parts of my brain off. So (laughs) (laughs) it's just the way it is. I mean, it's constant. You know, that's just the way I'm built. So uh, I don't worry about it too much. I mean, I think I didn't review Red Dead, which is good because, you know, that's one of my favorite games of all time, Red Dead 2. And uh, I'm glad I didn't have to review that game. I could just enjoy it. Man, I, I cannot, I cannot travel down to you on this to travel down with you on this country road because I, I bounced off Red Dead Two so hard, <laughs> like I just yeah, it's so interesting. I you know, that's a game that I, as, as I said, I would love to just jump through the screen and be in you know in that world, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's I, I just thought that was a really good story, and I appreciated the voice acting. You know, it's mechanically it's okay. Uh, but I think they did an amazing world building job in that, in that game. Yeah. By all accounts, like that's the stuff I bounced off of was all like mechanical stuff. It was all like, Oh, you know, you have to individually carve these bullets for extra damage or, you know, like it was just, um, it just, it seemed like it was taking a long time to play the game. So I guess that's what I liked about it. I just liked the, you know, maybe at that time I just wanted something, you know, relaxed and slow paced (laughs) and, uh, and meditative. <laughs> do you get like that with the or Sekiro is not that I was, I was about to say, like, do you get that with any of the souls games? Because like I can like enter in a meditative state in dark souls one just about nowadays, because I kind of know exactly what's coming. I know where all the enemies are like, and it just becomes like a Zen moment just to play through. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I have that experience with dark souls one for sure. You can, you can not even think about it, right. Just kind of go through the, go through the graceful motions of, of, of playing it. Um, I, you know, at, at this point, I almost feel like, as a as a personal player, not as a critic, but you know, that the From games are an entire category unto themselves. That somehow, in my mind, is different than video games. They're just what they are. Um, so they're they're in a class by themselves for me. It um, it's interesting because I think that that's been true up through Dark Souls three, and I've seen a bunch of people with the kind of kickback on Twitter with that and then the, the conversation around it basically moving from I'm never just I'm not I'm not ever going to blind buy a game from from software again because Sekiro betrayed me so bad uh, and, and yeah like, I I see that I can 
I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. I, as I said, my reactions were, and I, I really enjoyed your conversation with Patrick Klepik about Sekiro. So I don't want to, I don't want to be redundant with that. But um, yeah, it, it, I, it complicated feelings because I, f- I felt like almost guilty not enjoying it, is uh, to the extent that I didn't enjoy it because I love their game so much and I've enjoyed everything they've done. Uh, kind of unconditionally almost. And then Sekiro came along and it was like, wait a minute, uh, <laughs> there's something different here. <laughs> and I don't know if it's me, it may be me, uh, but there's some different experience that I'm not enjoying as much with this. And there was a certain amount of guilt about that. Like I was being disloyal to From Software. <laughs> a company that does not I gave it a great are. review score. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a great game, but, you know, personally it was like, wait, I... Something's something's happening here. Was it just the mechanics that that you didn't feel at home with, or what? What what was the change you think? Uh, to me, you know, and I uh, I don't know how spoiler we get or how you know uh, this is how coming out specific uh, we are like the end of May, so I feel like right. So pretty much, yeah. People have probably getting through it. I mean, uh, I I bounced, you know, and I was under pressure to get a review done, so I I didn't explore it. I, I mainlined it as much as I had to. Uh, to finish it, and but when I got to Genichiro, I was banging my head against that boss for probably five hours. I mean, it it took forever, and you know, it was like Elizabeth Kubler Ross. I went through the stages of acceptance, and denial, and grief, and you know, <laughs> by the end, Genichiro and I were just showing up to work, and. Uh, well, how are you doing today? You know, you're, let's let's see what we're going to do today. Well, aren't you tired of doing that? Because I've been doing that for a really long time. Um, <laughs> and it felt like a job. And, and I guess, you know, at some point I was thinking, well, you know, if this was Dark Souls, I would have a lot of different options for getting around this roadblock. I, you know, I could change my equipment. I could level this. I could, you know, buff that. I could... Uh, upgrade you know like at the end of um dark souls one if you can't parry gwen there are other ways of defeating right so you know maybe you don't parry well we'll just be a tank and we'll wear it down um so with genichiro you think well there's this really i mean yeah you can cheese it to some extent you can use this equipment but you know there's one way through that and i i kind of started feeling the creativity wasn't there. And I don't know, you f- I'm sure you finished it by now, right? <laughs> I'm like on the, the fourth or place. Close. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been kind right. of steamrolling through this game lately. I was, so. I was actually, yeah, I was talking to a colleague of mine, a uh, site that I review for, and he's on his fourth playthrough too. And I went, there's so little changes from one time to the next. And there's so much repetition even I think, you know, within one playthrough that I just want, I don't, I don't think I'll ever get to that point. I, I can't see playing it four times. So I'm interested in, you know, what the appeal is other than, you know, you, your skill is increased, but um, yeah, I guess what I, what bothers me about it is kind of the lack of, of creativity in approaching situations. Yeah. It's um, interesting because that's one of the big things that I think about, Dark Souls, or uh, specifically the Soul series, specifically Dark Souls one, two, and three, just giving you such a huge variety of vocabulary, like bows and spells and daggers and swords and big fuck off swords and all of these things, yeah. and coupled with the equipment, like you had a whole lot of player agency, and I think that's what makes that game so so replayable. Is that you know a sorcery build is going to play completely different than say a um, high strength build or a dex build like and all of these things can have unique experiences even though they were the same enemies and that's definitely some place that i think Sekiro is lacking one of the things that's bringing me through uh all of the various new games is like the first time i, I went through like i never played with any of the prosthetic tools because i didn't want to run out of emblems and now i'm at the point where i'm never going to run out of emblems because i don't i don't have anything to spend money on so it doesn't matter like money's right. meaningless so it's right. just I've, I've solved that problem myself um mm-hmm. so that's fun and having learned the bosses like i don't have any of those four to six hour walls like i because i definitely had that that experience right like i bashed my head against the final boss for like four hours one day before finally getting it. oh yeah um, and it's, 
like I, I go back to Dark Souls and I'm like, man, like it's amazing how many options like all of this stuff exists. Like it's it's amazing that any of this stuff works at all because there's so much of it. Right. And, and again, I don't and I don't de- uh, fault uh, Sekiro for being what it is. I, I I don't think it's a failure of concept. I think it's a great execution of a very specific concept. But I think it for the first time, it's a from game that uh, I don't enjoy in in lots of ways. Which is again, I feel kind of bad about that. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, there were there are many play th- times in that playthrough the first where I just said this isn't. It isn't fun. It's just not a fun thing to be doing. Uh, but maybe I'll give it time and, and come back and see how I feel. What did you What did you think about like going from the Souls games to Bloodborne? Because you know Souls to Bloodborne to Sekiro, like they're obviously moving in a specific direction, right? Did you have the same kind of issue with Bloodborne? Because your weapon variety and your vocabulary is a little bit more limited there, even though it's probably greater than um, Sekiro is. What do oh, you... yeah, I think for sure it is. <laughs> oh, I no, no, no problem with that at all. And I love that setting, you know, and I love the the uh, story and that. And so, no, I had no issue with that whatsoever. I, uh, yeah, Bloodborne is probably my second favorite in the series. And like everyone, we all wish there would be a Bloodborne sequel. Uh, hopefully before a Sekiro sequel, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I had no, no issue with that at all. I thought, I think the DNA between the souls games and bloodborne is maybe greater than between the souls games and Sekiro. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. I, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, I, I'm sure they'll do a sequel since it's sold, you know, so well, they would be, crazy not to and it'll be interesting to see if they add back in you know some of the uh design elements that they stripped away for this one yeah it's 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 hard to remember that from software is a company that has grown pretty significantly over the last few years and that like i think everybody wants to ascribe um all of the good stuff in souls bloodborne and sekiro to miyazaki where in reality that's probably like 150 different people all with their hands in that pie right not to mention like you know i don't i I really despise the a team b team argument when dark souls 2 came out but um like just literally having different teams working on different games at, at different parts of their because that's what you do like you set up like a a channel or whatever to to be able to publish games and be able to develop games i i'd be curious yeah like, miyazaki isn't a tour but he's not running the camera and the edit bay and <laughs> exactly uh, writing yeah. the script and uh <clears throat> you know miyazaki's not making trailers he's not kojima <laughs> like what he doesn't have time for that shit i'd like i'd like to see a miyazaki playthrough personally of of any of those games i, I would know. i would too yeah i'd love has I that would, ever happened has has it has he ever been on uh camera playing them i don't think so not that i think i feel like i would have seen that like i saw i saw his reaction to twitch plays dark soul like i saw a video of that the other day and was like this is great like he still looks so shocked that this is even possible um but yeah i'd, I'd love to see him play through the games and just give relaxed commentary about things like i, I don't know that with him being the CEO of the company, like that's something that would ever happen, but man, that would be so cool. Yeah. 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 A director's uh, cut would be kind of awesome with that. Right. Oh man. Like just like even if it wasn't like a playthrough, even if it was just like, um, I mean, I guess audio logs, right? Like, but I, th- I think about what like Portal uh, or Valve did with Portal and, and right, Half-Life oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, with the developer commentary and those, and that's that's a really cool thing, like picking up something and like playing through it and being able to listen to, oh yeah, this is why we did this, and this is why the bed of chaos sucks, and this is why we didn't finish this quest or or whatever, right? Would be really great, right? Yeah, no, I love those kind of things. I think this is really interesting. So. Yeah, I don't know how uh, to to what extent that game was made for uh, you know speedrunners and Twitch, you know Twitch broadcasters. I mean, the speedrunners are at what twenty four minutes now, I think, on Sekiro. Yeah, uh, the uh, the last that I saw, which is in an entirely different experience, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I've actually seen some pushback from the speedrunning community about even like having an any percent category at all because it's so easy to break and cheese things that it's like 
like you're shaving off seconds and it's the techniques required are like take hours to practice and it's like not a worthy thing like right like it's just not a it's not a good valuable use of time versus something like mm-hmm. all bosses which i find way more interesting because i like to see characters get like crazy overpowered and i like to see neat tricks and stuff mm-hmm. yeah i love the ray dimitri uh one-shotting every boss and all the souls games even you know it's it's an interesting novelty have you done any of that stuff challenge runs or speed runs or anything like that not really. I don't have time to do it. And, you know, I'm I'm happy if I can get through, you know, play through of Dark Souls without dying before ONS. You know, I can usually do that, at least get that far without, you know, any kind of death. I I think it's the farthest I've gotten without dying is, I don't know, maybe Crystal, you know, Caverns or something like that. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> there's a... Um there's a cutscene that you get the first time that you die for real in Sekiro and um, uh-huh. like you, you wake up in the sculptors like, right. I almost said office, but that's not what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Hut is probably a better word for it. Um, but on one of my new game playthroughs, like I hadn't really been paying attention and you die and you resurrect and like you get your pips back. So like you, but I just kept going. I didn't die until like the Ginichero boss that you mentioned, like all the way. It's almost like kind of midway through the game or a third through the game and uh, yeah, right. died on the rooftop in a Sheena castle and then woke back up in the dilapidated temple. And I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? And, like I'm completely forgetting <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm glad because uh, you hadn't been back because <laughs> I hadn't means... been back. Yeah. I just, I mean, I'm just yeah. going like, I'm just it's basically a boss rush game at that point, but it was just funny, like waking back up and like, where am I? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sculptor, he needs to uh, branch out. I mean, you know, he's just... Uh, it's all angry-faced Buddhists. Same Buddhist. statue over and over. Yeah. I know you got an idea, but, you know, come on. Hey, look, up. you got to do you got to do it, what, 20,000 times or 200,000 times before it's perfect? <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> uh, what, um, like, do you participate in the, like, online community? Like, do you do a lot of invading or PvP or sunbrowing or any of that stuff? Like, did you get real heavy into that? Uh, not really heavy into it, you know, but, but what I always feel like is if I'm playing a game and I need to uh, summon to get through something, I always try to pay it back, you know, a few times just to balance the karmic scales. Um, uh, I really enjoyed, you know, I really enjoy doing the co-op in, in all those games. I'm not much of a invader. I, uh, you know, I, I, it's fine to, <laughs> it's fine to be invaded. I think that's part of the game and certainly not a problem. I don't go out of my way to be a dick with people. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't do it much. Um, but I, I do like co-op and I do enjoy helping people out. Um, I think that's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I really, I miss that about Sekiro. I, I guess I would have broken the game. I don't know. You know, as, as I think you talked about with, uh, Patrick, you know, the, uh, the style of combat certainly lends itself to, you know, a fighting game kind of, uh, mechanics so why not why not throw that in yeah it's definitely um it's it's interesting because i think uh like it's it's not really set up for for that and i feel like it's a design decision that they made very very early oh i mean yeah obviously um i i would be i think the the thing that i would want from from that is more i would want to i want to see more like summonable npcs like there, right, there's not very many. There's, I think there's just uh, the one, and like there's the great own NPC thing that that just only works right. in a limited amount of circumstances. But yeah, like I, right. I'd be really cool to summon Orin and then find Orin in the world later as a boss or some something weird like that. Like I, I want more of that stuff for story. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you think about it when you summon for the drunkard, it trivializes that fight pretty, pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was a nice change of pace to have that too. It was kind of refreshing to, and I wonder why it, it seemed like well they did that once. Why they didn't do that more often? You know, it it didn't get followed through late, later on. I'll be cur- I'll be real curious to see some uh, like post mortems on this game. Like, uh, and there's <clears throat> there's a little bit of cut content stuff already that's floating out there. Um, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing hugely major, just kind of like aborted systems that sound pretty terrible. <laughs> um, uh-huh. and, but so I'll, I'll be curious on like when we start unearthing some stuff from this game, like what, like the, the development of it, like I don't, the cut content stuff, I, I feel it's like fascinating because it's, it's, it's in the game and it shows you the development over the course of the mm-hmm. game or the game mm-hmm. over the course of development, I should say. Um, 
but like I, sometimes like a lot of the lore stuff kind of just goes over my head. Like I don't really care about it that much. Do you, do you follow any of that stuff? Like do you, are you deep into the, the Dark Souls lore on YouTube? Uh, I've followed it. I mean, I've watched it all and I think it's really interesting. I, you know, I'm more into the mechanics and the fighting and the, uh, you know, just the aesthetics of it. I, I think the stories are pretty interesting. I really, I think with Sekiro, uh, that they didn't go down the Buddhist path just a little bit more, you know, that, that there's a lot of Buddhist kind of subtext in the souls games. seems like in Sekiro, it's more of a Shinto thing, but, um, I think I think that's interesting. You know, I think the way they combine Buddhist mythology and Arthurian legends and blah 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 all together, I think that's that's pretty cool. The confluence of of influences. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not writing fanfic and uh, you know sculpting uh, <laughs> figurines, but I, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I'll be I'll be curious sure. about like. I've always been curious about how these games are written, like just from a straight up like plot slash lore standpoint, because um, obviously Dark Souls like feels like a history book with pages like ripped out of it. Um, and more than likely, like there's, there's no Bible to that game. Like they just like kind of implied stuff and left it hanging and it happened to work out really well for them. Um, versus something like Bloodborne and then more so in this Kira, which is extremely straightforward. Like there's, there's not as much implied about the story of Sekiro as compared to Dark Souls. And do you, do you have a preference on that? Like, do you, or do you just kind of accept both? I, yeah, it's fine. Whatever they want to do. I, I personally like a little bit more explicit storytelling. So I think Bloodborne is probably the 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 golden mean with that because there was a, a relatively coherent story that took, you know, a really divergent path and that was unexpected. Um and there's quite a bit a bit of uh you know between the lines writing in Bloodborne, but yet there's a relatively linear straightforward you know, sorry to move it along. Um, so I think that was probably the ideal. I think some of the original Dark Souls uh, stuff a little ambiguous and maybe a little underwritten. As you said, I'm not sure how much was, you know, written and how much was implied and how much was, all right, you figure it out for us. Or uh, <laughs> I have to believe that they knew exactly what they were doing. Um, so I, I doubt it was random, but. Yeah, I think you know Bloodborne uh, to me was kind of the ideal uh, between those two. Yeah, it's definitely the one that I like connect with the most when in regard to its story. Like the Dark Souls one has that like you know medieval fantasy thing happening. That kind of like something happened here, and we're exploring like the ghost of the civilization basically. But um, mm-hmm. Bloodborne feels like you're a little bit closer to what happened and it like the characters that you meet in the story seems to like affect or at least to me like seem to affect it me more than stuff in, in Dark Souls uh, I mean don't don't get me wrong like you know Vadi named that series prepare to cry for a reason like they do some heartbreaking tragic stuff and and throughout all right. of these games um, but just like right. the overall like this group did this and then this happened is is like Bloodborne works for me better than just about any of it Right. And thank God for Avadi because I don't have time to figure all that out, right? So, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> thank you to the YouTube people around the world for telling yeah. us this, what these yeah. games are about because we wouldn't figure yeah. it out. Well, it was it was sure amazing how quickly we got playthroughs and uh, things on, on Sekiro. I mean, it was within hours that that was all done. Oh, yeah. like that. I feel like that's going to be the case for any... Like it wasn't the case for Darius and A because that was PSVR mm-hmm. and nobody really cared about it. But like any 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 major AAA title from from software, I think is going to is going to get that kind of reaction. You're going to get the you know trailer trailer analysis videos and and all right. that stuff. Like like that's just going to, it's, it's just who who it's just who what the world is now, right? Like Dark Souls Absolutely. one had created this weird culture of YouTubers and podcasters and like hey that's me. Like I've I've done both, so I can't really say anything against it. But yeah, right. it's. It's a little bit overwhelming now too. Like if you just go into YouTube and try to find, like I, f- I assumed that there would be more like cool Sekiro videos of like check out this neat trick or whatever. Um, but, but there lo- really aren't. No, no. A lot of it is just like SEO garbage, man. Like I can't. It's just it's just like feeding the algorithm, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, and and I I guess this kind of comes back to my uh, comment about where I think the failing is a lack of 
creativity and ways you can approach uh, or create solutions. Uh, if you look at 10 uh, Genichiro videos, you know, here's how to, to be, I mean, they're all virtually the same. There, you know, it isn't, you know, uh, we, you know, we hit, we back away, we hit, we back away. Yeah, you can use this, but I mean, there really is not a lot of variety. Uh, and I think that's kind of true with all of it. So I just, I think it's really it's interesting. And I think it's interesting that, you know, that game went out of its way more than any other from game in tutorializing the experience and uh, easing players into it. And yet it's probably the least accessible to new players, I think, of any of their games. But at the same time, I think they expect their audience to be Souls fanatics who have developed muscle memory of those games over years that then have to pass out that muscle memory and develop an entirely new style. It's kind of a fascinating situation. It's like taking, it, it's like having an audience and then, you know, for years and years and so, years and then like, Oh, we have these people and they expect this. Let's do something totally different and pull the, pull the, right. pull the rug out from underneath them. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is cool. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Uh, but I, I wonder about, you know, why they went through that, you know, such, you know, went out of their way to tutorialize it and then, uh, really um change everything up so i don't know i'm uh i'm curious tell me like obviously as you're playing through these games for the first time like i think everybody experiences like those moments those those really memorable moments that stick out in your memory of like this is why i love these games can you can you think of one of those from any of the games off the top of your head of a time where you something happened or you did something and you were like oh yeah this is this is great i love this well i'm an old man so i have no memory of just about anything, which is so. This actually, and, and not to be ageist, and I, you know, my ages are kind of irrelevant, you know, because I'm I'm 63, which is a little on the older side uh, for some of these experiences. And I wonder, you know, some. I think you've talked about lots of times on your on your podcast as people talk about the from games and what life lessons you know that they've learned, and I certainly have. You know, it's like persistence and commitment and and team you know cooperating with other people and calling on them for help and blah 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 right so i think those are really valid uh takeaways from the from games and one of the things that worries me about sekiro is is the takeaway from this game is i'm just getting too old to have the twitch reflexes i need uh to be successful with this game. And I'm very serious about that because it does, yeah, you have to memorize the boss patterns, but there is a certain amount of timing and dexterity that really is required. And I wonder why, you know, maybe that's what the issue I had with uh, Genichiro was. I'm just getting, you know, my uh, synapses aren't quite firing as quickly as they need to. Um, but getting back to your question about, uh, you know, you know, experiences. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think. It's been so long since I've had those. Uh, I, I you know I think with Bloodborne, Bloodborne, just the the opening environment. You know, just being in that in that uh, industrial 19th century setting. You know, kind of blew me away and said, "Oh, this is you know a really cool new place to be. We're not back in the fantasy Middle Ages anymore." And um, uh, with uh, Dark Souls 1, I don't know. It's been such a long time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I don't remember now. <clears throat> yeah, I just don't remember. Uh, but they've all, yeah, they've all had their aha moments for sure. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things that I think, um, like we talked about the YouTube kind of culture popping up around dark souls one. Like I think that in streaming is because it happened because those moments like coming up from blight town and seeing that the fire is out and, and firelink shrine and not knowing why and finding the note that this chick is dead. Like you want to see your, yeah. your friends or you want to see streamers or YouTube people like go through that experience. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that was such, it's hard for me to um, separate the experience of that YouTuber community from, you know, Dark Souls, because I will always associate, I don't know if you remember a, a, 
a streamer called Kay Plays. Do you remember Kay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I interviewed her for uh, some publication that I did. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. That's I awesome. did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm interesting. You know, she kind of disappeared from the from the community about a few episodes into Dark Souls three. And never heard from again. I, I always wanted to reach out and see what happened to her and, you know, email her again and say, are you still alive and are you still playing games? Um, but yeah, that was, that was a really uh, formative uh, playthrough to watch. I thought I, I really enjoyed her, her uh, approach to it. I, I loved uh, Jeff Green's um, playthrough of the games, you know, and how he went from, uh, dismissing them to really enjoying them and then playing through all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I think almost more than the, with dark souls one, almost more than the game itself, the, uh, community experience of sharing that, uh, all those people sharing their, their playthroughs, uh, was, was really important to me. And, um, you talk about Kate, body, of course, and like that's, that's one of the, the best let's I point everybody to those LPs because, Mm-hmm. Um, she's one of the very few people that I've seen in LP like sit down and actually use the help button that's in Dark Souls. Like you could uh-huh. you could go through your menu and like it. And I did it the first time too. You bring it up and you're like, holy shit, it's going to take me hours to understand what they're trying. This information they're trying to present me, and then you can hit select and like go through each item, and it gives you a little tooltip about what it does and how it works. And I'm like, oh, word. So the game does explain things to you if you pay any attention to it whatsoever. Like it was really great in that regard. So. Yeah, and uh, she was in particular was so um, methodical and contemplative about it, right? And not, I, I would say, not unemotional, but you know, very analytical. Exactly. It yeah, was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Have you done that before? Have you have you tried to put any of your playthroughs on? Nah, nah you're not, you don't really care about nah. doing all that stuff. I, I don't have time. You know, again, as a critic, I, I'm playing through so many things. Um, I, and I have a, such a busy outside of gaming life. I just, I don't have time. There there will be, you know, vast periods of time when I have to step away from gaming altogether because I'm just too busy with, with other things. So Real uh, life I gets in the way. Yeah, real life. Real life. Um, and, and most people in my real life actually don't, know anything about my gaming life that's kind of a secret ex- identity <laughs> you know, when i i was a, i was a high school teacher for 40 years and uh and students even you know they they were always very confused and kind of incredulous and not entirely believing when you know they found out that what i did on the outside was play games all the time right hey that's that's our world. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. I remember in high school finding out that like a, like a teacher plays whatever, like a Nintendo or something like, Oh, you've played Zelda. Like what, who are you? Like, you're so cool or whatever. Like it was, it was really strange. Yeah. It never got me a lot of cred. I have to say, <laughs> never really. It was most like, Oh, okay. That's good. Sometimes they came to me about with, you know, buying advice if they should buy something or not. But that was, <laughs> that was really about it. Yeah, I'm a like if if this is kind of like your your secret identity almost. Do you uh-huh. like is this something that you share with your family? You mentioned your son was into gaming or got into gaming when he was young. Like, is this something that you guys experience together, or is this mostly just like a solitary thing? And then you have the rest of your life for all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, my gaming. I have some gaming friends from uh, publications that I review for or whatever. Right. So my peer group in real life is not into gaming. So they have no idea. They they're clueless about technology in general. Actually, uh, I have a lot of musician and artist kind of friends, and for some reason they're they're fairly technically obtuse, so they're not really into it at all. Um, I'm I'm actually to the point where I I was visiting uh, um, my son and his family, and I was actually playing um, a Donkey Kong with my five year old granddaughter, which was kind of cool. Nice. That has to be yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and I I play um, Apex with my son online 
you know, quite a bit. He's really into that right now. So, oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. Got to get him into that uh, soft style, man. You got to get him into Dark Souls. You know, he's, yeah, he's just, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we played Red Dead 2 online together a, a little bit. Um, but the, the online part of that, unfortunately, I think was, is pretty disappointing. But, uh, you know, we did, we did parallel playthroughs of Red Dead 2 together. That was, that was fun. So, yeah, that's always been something we've kind of had in common, which is, which is kind of neat. See, you guys could be YouTube famous. This is the way. This is yeah. what you got to do. Well, besides, he's a, besides he's a, fe- a professional musician, so, you know, we, there's that too. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this is just right in itself. Two rock stars play Dark Souls. There we go. Well, he's a he's a classical saxophonist, which is... That's that's rock star. Which, that's, that's which rock is star. kind of the... Well, it's kind of the from software of, uh, of musicians. That's yeah. the from software of musicians. That's good. Oh, man. Um, it, well, you know... Given that you didn't really, that you can appreciate Sekiro, but you didn't really click with it, and, uh, yeah. and given your history with the series, what kind of thing would you want to see from software make in the future? Like if you, if you had that, if you could pitch any idea to them and they could and you and get them to agree, what would you go for? Uh yeah, I well, Bloodborne too. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer, right? We all Bloodborne to Bloodborne. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they. Do whatever they want to do, right? I I would I like to be surprised. I I really wish. I think I just would have. I like the setting of Sekiro. I like the combat. I just wish, you know, it had a few more options. Uh, I wish it had some co-op. I think that would be interesting. Um, a little less repetition. I would I would hope they they add those things back in uh, for the sequel. And I'll be really interested in seeing what the DLC uh, brings to it. I don't know if you've heard anything about what that's going to be. I I, I haven't, but um, uh, have you heard anything about DLC for no, Sekiro? Nothing, nothing at all. Yeah, they haven't. Yeah. I mean, I expected to hear like patch news by this point and see if they would like respond to any of the kind of open criticisms or add options or anything like that. And we haven't even heard anything about that. So, yeah, first patch. Co-op. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. New game, negative seven mode. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think that, you know, I think the whole uh, accessibility argument has been done to death. And I think that there were two issues being conflated, you know, with that whole thing. And I think you've talked about it. One issue is accessibility in terms of fairness of, of access. And then there's the difficulty, which I which is an entirely different, you know, argument. And I think a lot of that came out of frustration at the beginning of just people not being successful with it. But you know, that may be unfair too. I don't. Well, Mark, thank you very much for getting up early on a Saturday morning and hanging out with me. And um, oh yeah, this is My this pleasure. will be about like two months later. But um, this was recorded on the three year anniversary of Don't Give Up Skeleton coming out. So that was kind of a cool thing to do. I didn't even plan this; it just happened. So, well, congratulations. You know, I think it's it's amazing uh, that you've been able to sustain so so much good conversation um, on one fairly narrow subject. Right. And that you've been able to make that interesting and varied. And I think it's a testament to, you know, the the kind of cool community around the Souls games. I mean, there's a lot of negativity around everything on the Internet, but there's so much creativity and positivity and, uh, you know, energy around Souls, which I hope continues. I think it will. Um, like, you know, yeah. I, I look at stuff like the... Uh, the the private servers for Demon Souls that came up when the when the actual server went offline or the like the chalice hunting community that's out there the Tomb Prospectors um, which if if you're in any interest at all into chalices like look up the Tomb Prospectors Discord and and, and join all those folks they're a really great group so he, before you go here's a question have you gone back now and played any of the Souls game post Sekiro just to see how they feel and see how the controls feel and the pacing have you gone back no I haven't. I watched um, I watched someone play Bloodborne for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think I was watching just a random YouTube video, and like 
the enemy attacked and I felt like my L1 finger, like, <laughs> like I was like, just, I was instinctively trying to like deflect the attack that I was watching. on. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> so now I'm super worried that like going to Bloodborne, I'm going to be spamming the transform button constantly. To, you, in an yes, to. you will be actually. <laughs> I, I went back and I, uh, I went back to, and I played Dark Souls 3 again and it felt, you know, and that always felt pretty fast, you know, relative to the other games. And it felt so slow. I think we're getting so used to the uh, fluidity of movement in Sekiro, which I think is great, you know, and having the jump and the grapple and and being able to move around vertically. I think it's hard to go back to being earthbound again. Yeah. Um, And going back to, yeah, to Bloodborne, same thing. You just now the muscle memory is built in for Sekiro and it's going to have to be retrained again if you want to go back. It was it was an interesting interesting few minutes going well i'm gonna have to (laughs) thanks thanks from (laughs) way to go well tell everybody number one thank you for guesting and uh number two tell everyone where you can be found on the internet uh you know i don't have a huge internet presence as a gamer i would say you can look up my game reviews on uh, darkstation.com which is the site i review for now um i'm all in a metacritic all over the place so you can you can find my writing there but uh as a as a gamer i'm not really uh on there much beyond the critical stuff okay uh, do you have a, a specific review that you're proud of that you want people to go check out oh you can read my uh Sekiro review <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'll work i gave it a nine <laughs> a 90 i think it's a great game i just didn't like it personally as much as the other games well, thank you again for guesting. I, I very much appreciate it. You're welcome. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to all of the various ways if you want to support the show. Um, thank you very much for listening. It's super appreciated. Uh, we will probably be back next week with another guest. And until then, remember, don't give up skeleton. And we're good. All right. Well, enjoy your hiatus. <laughs> yeah, I've already got plans for like three other podcasts, so it's just it's just different stuff to record. <laughs> oh yeah, what are you?